and welcome to this month's edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Here with me today is Dwayne Friend, and Dwayne is an Illinois Master Naturalist Coordinator and Climate Specialist with the University of Illinois Extension. How are you doing there today, Dwayne? I'm doing fine, Gavin. It's been a while since we've talked, so I'm glad to be back. It has been, and we have a riveting topic here, or I should say a cold topic to talk about today, and uh that is, what is the difference between snow, sleet, and freezing rain? Well, that is a really good question. That is a question that I get uh, fairly often. So we'll just get right into it and, and talk about the differences between the, the three of them. So snow, and we're, we're all familiar with snow. We know it's this white, puffy, fluffy material that comes down. Uh, but just to talk a little bit about how it forms, uh, one of the things to know about snow is that when it forms, it's taking that gas form of water, or we call it water vapor, and instead of going through to liquid water, it goes directly from a gas to that solid in terms of the, the crystallization of that, that water vapor. So snow is um, something that, that goes directly from uh, gas to solid, doesn't have that liquid phase in between there. A little bit of trivia on snow, so I don't know how often there, there's still trivia contests out there, but uh, as far as snow in terms of precipitation, doesn't really matter what time of year we're talking about. In the middle latitudes, all precipitation starts out as snow. It usually has to fall through about a thousand feet of above freezing temperatures to melt, which in the spring, summer, and fall here in the Midwest, it can do that pretty easily, but um, winter is the only time of year when that snow can stay together as snow and make it all the way to the ground. But in terms of how it forms, one of the things that has to be in place for that formation to start is you've got to have little particles in the air, things like dust, smoke, pollen, or something like that, for those little microscopic water molecules to start condensing onto and changing from that water vapor to that crystalline form of snow. And when it first forms, again, it's really small, it's microscopic in size, but as it continues to gather more and more water molecules on there and changing from that gas to that crystal, that crystal begins to grow. And depending on the temperature of the air, depending on the humidity, the way that crystal forms can form in millions and millions and millions of different ways. And it can start out with uh, kind of a faucet or a prism, and then it, it builds with faucets. It can also have branching. You can have combinations of those. So you may have heard that no two snowflakes are alike, and that could very well be true, although I always think that all the, over the course of Earth's history, out of the trillions and quadrillions of snowflakes out there. There's probably been a couple that have been pretty close, but um, again, that's just me, me, mm -hmm. my opinion. Um, yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with you there. And uh, so, sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, when snow forms, though, is that, and you were talking about the humidity, is that also a factor in us getting larger, uh, air quote, snowflakes there, as opposed to smaller ones? That's another really good question. Yeah. If you think about when you usually see the larger snowflakes, we usually see those when the temperature is hovering right around 32 degrees or maybe even just a few de degrees above that. 
So what happens in that case is you have those snowflakes and they're, I guess what you would call normal size falling, but as it gets close to the ground and it, the outside edges of those snowflakes have a little bit of melting to them. So you get a little bit of liquid water on that snowflake, but then when another snowflake collides with it, the two will attach and then you'll have that happen multiple times. So that what is what creates those really large snowflakes. And that's usually when we, we have it occurring is when those temperatures are near freezing. When the, the air is colder, the air can't hold as much water vapor in the air. So it can still snow. It's never too cold to snow. It's just that those snowflakes are gonna be much, much smaller. When you start getting down say 15, 20 degrees, those snowflakes are really tiny, but you can still have them. And you can still have snow even when it's below zero um, because since the air can't hold much water vapor to begin with, anytime you've got any water vapor at all in the air in those really cool temperatures, it's close to 100% relative humidity. So that opportunity for precipitation can take place. Yeah, well, that makes that makes much more sense in terms of the larger snowflakes and uh, versus the smaller snowflakes. So that makes a complete sense. But yeah, when you started off, I'm like, all right, let's go back to some grade school science class here uh, that I'm remembering some of these pieces from. But yeah, um, but since sleet and freezing rain are both frozen water, why are they different than snow? Okay, well, let's go ahead and go with sleet first. And sleet is something that if we, we've ever experienced it, we usually don't experience it for a long period of time. It's, it's typically something where we're transitioning from rain and then maybe have a short period of sleet and then it goes on to snow or maybe the opposite. And that's usually because we've got an, another air mass that's coming into the area, whether it's a cold air mass or a warm air mass. But let's say we're transitioning from rain uh, over to a, a colder air mass. What'll happen, and this is what happens in, in either case, is you've got a layer of warm air, uh, not right at the ground, but say several hundred or maybe uh, a thousand feet up or, or even more in some cases. So as that snow forms and it's falling down to the ground, it'll go through that warmer air that's above freezing, it will melt, and it'll become rain. But then it goes through a colder layer of air close to the ground. And when that air is, is thick enough that those water droplets can freeze. So this in this case, it's changing from liquid water over to ice pellets. That's when we get sleet. So that sleet is forming when you've got a warm layer in there that is far enough off the ground that that snow can melt, become rain, but then it refreezes before it hits the ground. Freezing rain has the same occurrence, but in this case, that warm air layer is much closer to the ground. So you start out with snow, just like we did before, gets down to that warm air layer, it melts, becomes rain, but then that cold air that's right at the ground level isn't very thick. And so that rain doesn't have an opportunity to freeze before it hits the ground. But then when it does hit the ground or hits houses or hits trees or cars or whatever, it freezes at that point. So that's when we get freezing rain. So it's really just a matter of where that warm air layer is above the ground, whether it's far enough up that that rain can melt before it hits, or if it's closer to the ground, doesn't allow that rain to freeze before it hits the ground. 
Interesting. I appreciate that uh, information there. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's really uh, interesting. All, all depending upon where the layers are. Uh, very cool. Uh, so which one of these is the most dangerous? Well, if we look at snow, we know that we can have lots of snowfall in some cases. And I think the record for Illinois, is, it's a, a very old record, I think in 1900 in Astoria for a 24-hour snow event, there was like 30, around 37 inches of snowfall. Uh, and these days, we typically don't get uh, a lot of heavy snow, snow um, events anymore. But uh, we know that there can be hazards associated with that heavy snow in terms of driving, in terms of being slippery roads, in terms of uh, health issues, you know, if somebody's out shoveling snow. With sleet, because it's typically a, a short time occurrence, we don't have a lot of issues with that. But out of all the three, I would say freezing rain is by far the most hazardous. Freezing rain events can last for multiple hours and in some cases, several days. So you get that freezing ice over everything, makes it in a lot of cases impossible to drive. If people try to walk outside, they very easily can slip and fall. Uh, and you also have uh, hazards with things like electrical lines falling down, trees falling down. Uh, so really the freezing rain is probably the most hazardous out of the three in my opinion. Yeah, no one, nobody likes the ice and too, too dangerous out there uh, for, for a lot of people and people shouldn't try to drive during those conditions uh, no, would be no, my opinion on that. <laughs> yes, that's true. Probably one of the first, uh, or I should say not the first, but the worst uh, ice event that I've been through. And I know probably a lot of the listeners, including you, would not have experienced this. But uh, there was an ice event in, 19, in the spring of 1978. It was right around Easter weekend. It lasted for about 24 to 36 hours over most of central southern Illinois and then adjoining states. Uh, and it had major power outages over that entire area. There were some places that didn't get their power back on for almost two weeks because there were so many lines that were down. So. That one was just a very devastating event, uh, which happened in March of 1978. Wow. Uh, yeah, I do remember uh, one as a kid where we were we were without power uh, for about three days ourselves. So that that was been the worst one that I've seen anyway. But yeah, that that does not. Uh, uh, man, feel sorry for some of those folks out there, especially if they didn't have any any additional heat sources. Yeah, that's true. And that's uh, the one of the things that we don't really think about in terms of, uh, you know, disaster preparedness. Um, we don't think of that happening very often, but it happens really uh, a lot more often than people think. Yeah. So what are the trends in the occurrence of each of these types of precipitation? Uh, okay, so as far as what the the trends are for winter weather in general and winter precipitation, uh, one of the things that we are seeing, not only in Illinois, but throughout the Midwest, is that our winters are trending warmer. So as time goes on, we're getting less and less of the frozen precipitation events or the snow events, getting more of the rain events. And uh, uh, just talking about... Uh, at the time that we're doing this podcast, 
they're talking about, uh, and this is in early December when we're doing this, uh, we're talking about some heavy rain occurring in the next couple of days where 30 years ago, we probably would have been talking about uh, snow warnings going out. Mm -hmm. But because we're getting warmer, we're getting less snow, we're getting more rain, but then we also have the potential for getting more of the freezing rain events because we can still have those temperatures close to freezing in a lot of cases. So I, I think we have to really be uh, thinking about and being prepared for more of those freezing rate events because we do have the potential for more of those occurring. I'm not saying that that that's uh, inevitable, but we do have to just look at what the trends are. And while we would like most of that to be rain and not freezing rain, we still have to to be prepared at least in terms of um, you know what what we have in terms of uh, you know having things at home in case we would have to stay home for a, a day or more uh, because of those freezing rain events and the, the hazard that they may present. So in terms of uh, preparedness there on uh, potentially making you know your area safe uh, for yourself and your family, uh, I'm thinking in terms of like, you know, snow melt or something like that uh, are those going to be the best uh, options for folks out there or is there something else that they should have on hand well and with freezing rain sometimes it's really hard it's almost impossible to really speed up the melting for that because if you've got a large driveway for example i don't think people are going to go out and spend a, a huge amount of money to try to clear off those areas maybe for sidewalks uh, the only thing with salt-related products is that it is going to tear up the concrete. It's going to wear the concrete out uh, much quicker than it would otherwise. So people have to be very diligent when they're using that snow melt. But in other cases where we're talking about you know, having to stay home, maybe being holed up in, in the house for a couple of days, just like any other type of disaster preparedness, you need to make sure that you've got plenty of food on hand, plenty of water. Uh, there are maybe opportunities or not opportunities, but uh, instances when the power goes out. So you've got to be prepared for potentially colder temperatures in the house. Uh, if you don't have uh, uh, heat uh, in the house, uh, you want to make sure you've got um, other necessities like medical uh, supplies on hand, especially you want to make sure you have all medicines in, in plentiful supply, especially during the winter. So it's kind of those general things that you need to think about that would be related to any type of potential hazard where you would have to stay home for multiple days. And I think here in the last couple of years, I think a lot of people have learned what it takes to uh, to stay home for some time. So those things play into account just as much now uh, as they did a couple of years ago when we were going through uh, COVID at home. Yeah, I could not agree with you more on that. Uh, <laughs> definitely need to have something around to keep yourself busy during those times. Yeah, I can still remember right when things were beginning to shut down and I was at the grocery store and somebody, the two things that they were getting were wine and toilet paper. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, to each his own, they have their own necessities. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, everyone does. Um. So, Dwayne, thank you so much for uh, all of this uh, wonderful information on uh, snow, sleet, and freezing rain. Uh, do you have any additional resources uh, to share at this time? 
Yeah, if somebody would like to know a little bit more about winter precipitation, I did do a webinar on that subject uh, last year, and we have a YouTube recording of that. So if somebody went in and just did a general search for uh, Illinois Extension winter precipitation, it should bring up uh, that YouTube video. So, uh, and it's about uh, 50 to 55 minutes long. So you can watch that at your leisure. Perfect. Uh, thank you, Dwayne, for uh, joining us today and I uh, appreciate your time. Well, thank you. Glad to be on. And that concludes this month's edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.